figured it would be um, applicable and hopefully edifying. Um, we've been in the teen Sunday school class, we've been studying in First John, trying to. Um, there's been a lot of absence and uh, not a whole lot of time. We haven't spent a whole lot of time back there with the kids once we started in this First John. Um, with us being gone, the kids with sports and all the things. But we have broke into 1 John chapter 1, and we kind of studied a little bit, just kind of the very beginning of kind of the introduction. We brought that up a little bit. John, as a pastor, figure to churches in the area, um, pastor of the Church of Ephesus, um, possibly overseeing churches, the ones that are mentioned in Revelation, the seven churches there, possibly overseeing as a broader ministry to those churches. And writing this epistle, or these three epistles, to um, those congregations in specifically, but having, um, obviously, um, application to us as Christians now, and it's been put into Scripture. So, we had mentioned that to the students, we had talked about that a little bit, but that's not really where I'm going. I want to go um, a little more specific, Uh, it'd be 1 John 1 verse 4, and we'll get there in a minute, but I really appreciated Fred's message this morning, I appreciated Kevin's message, very specifically applicable to my life. From both of those men this morning. Um, Very very convicting, and I very much appreciate it. Um, But I think some of this ties in line with what Kevin and Fred both were talking about. And I'd like to go ahead and and we'll get into it. So if we find our place in 1 John, uh, in chapter 1, and obviously verse 4 is very short, um, but we'll be reading through a few more verses as we go through this. So And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And I think that verse sort of at least caps 1 John. Pretty much caps the entire epistle there. He Pretty much everything in the rest of the five chapters there can be summed up in that verse right there. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Let's pray, and I'll continue on. Lord, I do thank you for this time, and I just ask that you would help me. Help me to speak the words that you would have me to speak. Help me to have calm nerves and to speak clearly, that your message would go out. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I guess I don't really have a title or anything like that, but I guess we could focus it around that word joy. And if we think of joy, what do we what do we think of? Do we think do we think of it as an emotion or maybe a reaction to something good or a reaction to something in our favor that we're gaining something? Somewhat of an aimless question because I don't really want to find a definition. I mean, that's not the goal of this. I'm not trying to define the word joy. And 
I honestly don't really have the vocabulary for that. <laughs> so um, not trying to write, rewrite Webster's or anything, um, but it's an interesting thought to think of it. As we go through this, hopefully we can come back to it at the very end and have maybe an understanding, not necessarily a definition. So um, let's also let's try to understand what John is trying to tell us about joy. And hopefully we can know how to obtain joy. And if we have already obtained joy, which we probably all of us have, let's learn how to or remember how to maintain that joy rather than trying to define it. So let's back up here um, in chapter 1. Let's back up to verse 3. <clears throat> and I want to... I want to find a few essential ingredients to this joy that John speaks about. So, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So John is reminding his listeners, um, remember, as a, as a pastor form, he's out for their best, as the, the congregation, he's out for their best interest. He's looking out for them. John is reminding his listeners that he has seen and heard the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Physically has seen him and heard him. And I think that's worth mentioning. It's not really the point of what I'm trying to say, but it's worth mentioning um, because the physical incarnation of Jesus Christ here as a man on this earth, that has been attacked by questions of doubt. And John puts those questions aside. He puts those questions to rest. But the reason that we're in verse 3 is the fellowship that John mentions. And in uh, Strong's, that koinonia, I think I'm pronouncing that right, koinonia is a, is a partnership. It's a communion it's a social intercourse, and that's kind of an odd word in our vocabulary these days, but it's a social intercourse. It's a, um, that, that deep fellowship, that communion, constant communion with God, um, communication, participation. Many of those words are mentioned in Strong's definition there, and I think that definition is important to us. And John wants this fellowship. He wants his... He wants his readers, his listeners, he wants them to have fellowship with him. He's not, de he's not necessarily desiring fellowship with them and what they're after. If they've been drawn astray, he wants them to have fellowship with him because he has fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So John wants his fellowship, wants his listeners to have fellowship with him but more importantly, the Father wants this fellowship with us. The Father wants this partnership, this like-mindedness and communion. Jesus wants this with us. The Father wants this with us. And the, so the all-powerful God over everything, universe and all, sent His Son to be the atonement for our sins 
who is now the intercessor, so that we, as finite man, can have fellowship with God. Let's go to Hebrews 7, verse 25. <clears throat> Make an intercession for us. Verse 25 of chapter 7 in Hebrews. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He ever liveth. That is his purpose right now. Ever liveth to make intercession for them, meaning us as believers. So when we are reminded of these truths, or when we sit and meditate on these truths, cannot help but be joyful. And we, we are, when we are reminded, then this joy is rejuvenated in our spirit. Another, another thought here in verse 3. Let's turn back there um, in 1 John, verse 3. Look here when he speaks, when, when John's writing this down, Look at the tense of the verse. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus, Son, Jesus Christ. Our fellowship is with Him. So, in approximately 90 A.D., John wrote this epistle, which is approximately 30 years after Jesus had already gone to heaven, and yet, John, not physically fellowship with Jesus, John still has this fellowship. Our fellowship is with the Father. And that is the fellowship that Jesus, that John wants us to have with the Father, and that John, or that Jesus wants us to have with the Father. It's the same, they're both um, aiming us in that direction, I guess, for lack of better words. Another ingredient that John explains, somewhat of a, syn a synonym to fellowship, this word abide. And it shows up in chapter 2. It shows up in chapter 2 a lot. But we're going to go to verse 28. Um, 1 John, chapter 28. And he, it's very direct. He mentions it very directly. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I think abiding in Christ would be the action of this fellowship that we have with Christ. And hopefully I can explain that so that doesn't sound ridiculous. But fellowship with God to gain fellowship with God or to have fellowship with God, we would be in prayer. We would be in Scripture, memorizing Scripture, reading Scripture, um, prayer, with, prayer to God, prayer with God, speaking with God, that continual interaction with God that hopefully we can have. Kevin, you were mentioning this morning the wanting or needing and wanting that steady Scripture reading and, and fellowship with God. Well, 
I need it too. <laughs> we all need it. And, and I, I know for myself as well, I'm not necessarily um, really even started into a path of that direction. You know, it'd be wonderful to have a daily habit of it. We need that fellowship, but the abide would be the actions that come out of that. To abide in Christ would be to do the things that he tells us through the scripture. It would be to apply what he teaches us through prayer. So if we go back to the beginning of chapter 2, and I had wrote in here just verse 6, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and 6 will make more sense. So 1 John chapter 2, 1 through 6, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and, he, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God, perf- is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. We, to abide in Christ, would be to walk as Christ walked, to do as Christ did. Obviously, that is a, the highest bar that we could possibly set for ourselves, but we are not to compare ourselves against each other, to compare ourselves to Christ. And with that, Jesus set, set this example. The example of abiding with the Father. And we'll go back to Hebrews um, to see that. Hebrews verse, chapter 12. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus could abide with the Father. We could not abide with the Father. Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame. He hated it. It was awful. He hated it. But because he abode with God, and to make a way for us, his elect, to abide with him, which was the joy that was set before him, the obedience to his Father, and to be able for us to abide, which I can't really wrap my head around that, but for us to abide with him, he endured the cross, the joy that was set before him. I think at least there was quite a few things that John speaks to us here in, in 1 John, but I'd like to finish up in, verse, in chapter 5, and we'll go to verse 13. These things, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, 
that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I think it would be another essential part of joy would be the assurance of the salvation that God has given us. And as the songwriter says, when the storms of doubt and fear assail, when we are bombarded, not just a simple thought or idea, but we are bombarded with doubts and fears, <clears throat> when, all, when all of hope seems hopeless, what good is this church stuff? Why are we here? Point, what in the world are we doing? But John writes these words to us, and he doesn't write them. This book is written to believers. First John is written to believers, and this verse is definitely written to believers because he says here, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. He's very specific that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And if we can't rest in anything else, we can at least rest in that verse there. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So if you believe on the Son of God, believe on the Son of God. <laughs> there in verse 13. Um, I'm coming to an end a lot faster than I was expecting, but uh, John wrote this to encourage the believers in Jesus. We just mentioned to believers. Not writing it to others, but believers who have found themselves in storms, storms of fear and doubt. Storms of fear and doubt. When your mind is completely consumed and it just overwhelms you and you're frustrated, we can rest in the assurance of our salvation. He reminds us so that we can know that we have eternal life. So then, what is joy? Is it happiness? But what is joy? Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Um, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. And that Joy that we can gain from the love that we cannot understand from the Father. And that joy that pushes all the way through the end of that verse where it says, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. The joy that we can have that pushes through that. That, that doesn't sound enjoyable or fun, but we have the joy of the love from the Father that pushes through that, that we can hold on to through that, when the world doesn't hear us, when the world doesn't care to hear us or turns their back, the joy of the Father still pushes through that exact, right there. That's what I have. Sorry it was a bit short, but that's what I have. Let's pray, and uh, we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for speaking to my heart, Lord. Going through this message, Lord, you have spoken to me in many ways. I thank you for that. Thank you for the importance of your scripture. And Lord, help us to...
spend the time that we need to in your word. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.